Welcome to the No Water Methodist Church Podcast, where we hope to encourage you in your spiritual journey so that you may be a blessing to your local church and to the world. preachers is named Owen Strachan. He talks about many false gospels that are filling churches today. One of the false gospels that he talks about is the gospel of practicality or what works. And I, growing up in the Methodist fold, have of course been awash in what works and best practices and pastors acting as though they've got it all down to a science problem is when I read my Bible, I don't see any of that concern. I see a concern only with faithfulness. And so as a pastor, I've found over time that I I don't have much patience or energy for what works. I find myself only excited about what ways in which I and the community of faith can match ourselves to the pattern seen established by Christ and the Gospels and the rest of God's Word. So anyway, as... Uh, as I continue to do this podcast and preach and worship and make special installments, hopefully like the one, I don't know if we're including the one on giving in this one or if we're doing a separate one, but anyway, as I carry those forward, it really is not a concern of mine. Um, what is most likely, if, if I'm saying it all just right, to manipulate people into conformity with the Gospels. Rather, uh, my only concern really is speaking the truth of Jesus Christ to people who are listening. And I realize there's a lot of people listening over time that probably are not really listening or they're listening for something else, but there are also other people listening, and I don't know who they are, God knows, who are really just hungering to live out a life that glorifies and pleases God now on on whatever terms they come, and that's to whom I'm speaking. So... Today was Mother's Day, and I spoke about Mother's Day and the love of mothers. And um, and there are a lot of pastors that just give feel-good sermons on Mother's Day because that's when you get a lot of people listening who don't usually. And um, anyway, I decided to just give the gospel. And yes, we talked about mothers, but we also talked about real life, and we talked about this hard world that we lived in, live in. I learned after worship that a local mother of a young young girl killed herself this last week. A daughter came home and was the one who found her. And um, we live in a world in which love is warped. Not just romantic love, but filial love. And the only way that we get made right again is is as we come to Christ. And so... That's where my heart's at today as I, I record this introduction. Um, my prayer is that whether it be Mother's Day or Father's Day or Christmas Day or Good Friday, whatever day it is, that you and I foster a sincere desire for righteousness because that's the only thing that's going to give us any peace. And we need peace. So I hope you enjoy your time in the podcast with us. I know it's kind of a dark setup for it. I don't think it's particularly dark, um, what we recorded today, but um, 
I pray that God works on your heart and that you resolve once again to become and be a joyful sheep in the flock of the Lord. All right, let's turn to today's message. So we have four readings today, as always, that come from the Revised Common Lectionary. And um, the, the, the themes that we're going to be meditating on today are the themes of service and good works and the theme of being God's flock. Jesus being the good shepherd, we being his sheep. How do we as his sheep uh, reflect his love to the world around us? So the first story is from Acts of the Apostles, and uh, Laura's going to read that to us. And we'll notice a, a common theme where the authority of Jesus himself is given to the apostles. And what do we do with that? So let's listen to Laura. Today's first reading comes from... The Acts of the Apostles, chapter 9, verses 36 through 43, which you can find on page 1544 of your pew Bibles. Let's listen to the word of God. Now there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and alms deeds which she did. And it came to pass in those days that she was sick and died, whom, when they had washed, they laid her in an upper chamber, and forasmuch as Lydda was nigh to Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent unto him two men, desiring him that he would not delay to come to them. Then Peter arose and went with them. When he was come, they brought him into the upper chamber, and all the windows stood by him weeping, oh, widows, I'm sorry, and shoeing the coats and garments with Dor which Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all forth and kneeled down and prayed. And turning him to the body, said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up, and he gave her his hand, and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and widows, presented her alive. And it was known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And it came to pass that he tarried many days in Joppa, with one Simon and Tanner, and a Tanner. This is the word of the Lord. So right before this, Peter uh, healed a man named Aeneas, who had been paralyzed for eight years, and he told him to get up and walk and carry his mat, or roll up his mat, very similar to Jesus, whenever that guy was lowered through the roof to him, get up, walk, take up your mat. Here, there's a woman named Tabitha, or also Dorcas. It means gazelle, if you're curious. Um, she was an elder widow. She died. And then when he raised her back to life, he said, Tabitha, get up. There's a story about Jesus healing a 12-year-old girl, where whenever he heals her, he says, Talitha, not Tabitha, Talitha, which means little girl. Kum, get up. Talitha, kum, Tabitha, get up. Clearly parallel here you see that Peter is doing the exact same works as Jesus, has the exact same power, and Jesus said we would do works greater than him, right? 
So one of the things before us that we've talked about recently in worship is the fact that we are not called to, to live worldly lives. We're called to live supernatural lives, and that means that God is going to do through us what he did through Jesus. The same spirit which was in Christ Jesus has now been sent to us, and oftentimes we set our sights way too low on what God's activity is and can be. We need to be praying for supernatural things to happen. We need to be working for supernatural things to happen. Now, Tabitha is a great exemplar here. Uh, whenever she died, you know, she was a widow. To be a widow, your husband has to die, and you have to be on your own. She's banded together with other widows who were honoring her in her death. They uh, stood weeping and showing the coats and garments which Dorcas made. Uh, they're, 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 they're honoring her in death. And one of the things that I preach at every sermon is we should be living our lives today reflecting on how we want to be remembered. And Dorcas was remembered and they petitioned Peter to heal her because she lived a life of service. And so what I'm going to return to preaching here at the gospel reading is, when we are in Christ Jesus, we live lives of service for, for others. And hopefully that is a message. I mean, I feel like I've preached it several times here. I, I want that to be, Jesus is going to say, my works that I do testify about me. And he's talking about supernatural works. He's also talking about just works of mercy, works of pity works of service. Uh, those are important in, in the lives of believers, and we as Christ's sheep need to be looking for opportunities to serve, because Jesus is going to take his opportunity to send his spirit to revive us and give us new life. But one of the, the clear scriptural questions is, if we are not living lives of service, well, do we have God's Holy Spirit? Are we his flock? So we'll come back to that question of how do you know you're in Jesus' flock. Remember that question. We're going to come back to it at the gospel reading. I said one of the themes today was Christ's pastoral ministry. If you don't know the word pastor, the Greek word is poimen, and it means literally shepherd. Uh, a pastor is a shepherd of people. And so Christ said, I am the good shepherd. And of course, uh, the metaphor is that we are his sheep. So Psalm 23 talks about pastoral ministry. It's on page 754 of your hymnal. We we're singing response to, we've done this a few times before, it sounds like this. I'm just going to sing it a cappella once, and then y'all will join me the second time. The good shepherd comes that we may have life and have it abundantly. If you don't remember it, uh, do your best. All right, let's sing that together once. The good shepherd comes that we Cody's going to lead us through this psalm, so. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters and restores my life. He leads me in right paths for the sake of the Lord's name. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The good shepherd comes that we 
You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. The good shepherd comes that we this psalm some of us hundreds of times before it's a reflection on how good a shepherd we have god is so good that we can uh he sets a a table for us to eat at in the presence of our enemies because that's how powerful he is he can keep anyone from harming us and as jesus is going to say in today's gospel reading once we are part of god's flock no one can take us from him that's how powerful our father in heaven is so we live in an era, you know, it's, it's a fraught time, you know, but we'll make fun of people for being sheep, right? Whenever they believe what they're told on the news, you know, they'll, I think it was more common in the seventies, but when you believe what you're told and you're a good team player, a good uh, citizen, they'll say, oh, you're such a sheep, you know, bad. But when you're in the context of the Christian religion, a sheep is the good thing to be. The wolves are the bad guys. We live in a world where it says you got to be a wolf to get ahead. You got to look out for your own. You got to take care of yourself. You got to either be prey or eat prey. And Jesus, whenever he commissions his disciples, he says, See, I, sh- I send you out like sheep among wolves. But then as they go out, not providing for themselves, but trusting in the Lord entirely, yes, bad things happen to them, but God protects them, God secures them. And we're told that the martyrs have a special place in heaven, right? In God's altar. We're told that even in death, God doesn't lose sight of his, his blessed ones. That there is nothing that can take us from him. That's what a good father we have. What a powerful father he is. He has us as his children, and he takes care of us, and nothing can ruin that. Is God faithful? Is God powerful? Is Jesus our good shepherd? So we have a lot to be thankful for, don't we? All right, let's, um, let's look at our Revelation reading. You'll notice a lot in common with last week. Last week we had all the creatures in heaven and on earth and under the earth all praising God. Very similar this week. We were in Revelation 5 last week. This week we're in Revelation 7. I'm not sure I even have anything new to add this week. Um, we're just looking at this anticipation of what eternity is like in God's care. So I'd welcome up our second reader. Good morning. Our second, third reading for today is from the book of Revelation, chapter 7, verses 9 through 17, which you can find on page 1732 of your pew Bibles. Listen again to the word of God. After this, I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne and about the elders and the four beasts, and fell before the throne on their faces and worshipped God, saying, Amen. 
blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes? And whence came they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which came out of the great tribulation, and have washed their robes, and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God, and serve him day and night in his temple. And he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them, and shall lead them unto living fountains of water, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. This is the word of the Lord. So I remember I have a couple things to say. Who is this lamb that it talks about in the heavenly realms? Jesus. In the Gospel of John, he is called the lamb who takes away the sins of the world, right? Um, it says the lamb, verses 17, this, we just heard this, for the lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them unto living fountains of waters. Remember, Jesus sat with the woman at the well. He said, I have some water, some living water, that if you drink it, you'll never go thirsty again. And she says, sir, please give me this water. It's talking about Jesus offering that living water. And to whom does he offer it? The people at the very beginning of the reading. So let's talk about these people. I, it says, I beheld a great multitude, which no man could number. That means there's a lot of them, right? It's not the 144,000. That's something else. That's later. That's, that's, it says, no man could number of all nations, kindreds, people, and tongues. What does that make you think of? It's the universal church. It's, it's the Christians of all ages, nations, and races, all, all nations. This is a, a final end of history beatific vision of the church united in heaven, all gathered together, praising the Lamb, and they're wearing white robes. What makes these robes so white? How did they get them so white? What was this? this treatment, this detergent that they used. The blood of the lamb. And who's the lamb? Where did he shed his blood? On the cross. It's saying that blood atones for all of our sins, makes us white as snow. Susanna is in the last worship service. She says, well, that's like nothing but the blood. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me bright as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, it's like you haven't heard it before. You didn't know I was going to give you a solo. Jesus' blood is what atones for our sin and covers our sin. And then we're given this vision of all those who are praising. And he asks this elder, who are these? No, the elder asks him, who are these people? And he says, you're the one who knows. You're the one living up here. And who are they? They're the people that made it through the tribulation, right? These are they which came out of the great tribulation, he said, and they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. What this is clear about is God doesn't let any of his people go. He's able to save a number of people beyond number. But there's going to be tribulation before then. And that's something else I'm preaching about every week. I'm so glad you haven't gotten sick of it yet, or you might be sick of it and you sit and you listen to me anyway. Christ requires suffering. There's suffering in store for us. There is a tribulation. It's going on now. It's probably going to get a lot worse. It's a lot worse in other parts of the world. One of the things that I, I don't preach about enough is we need to be constantly mindful of those who are going through tribulation right now. 
and there are people around us going through the spiritual tribulation, but when I'm talking about, I'm talking about the persecuted church, people in Nigeria, who Fulani herdsmen come in the middle of the night and burn down their towns and kill their men and rape their women and sell their children into slavery because of their faith in Jesus Christ. I'm talking about people in North Korea who were sent to death camps. I'm talking about people in China who uh, uh, are persecuted likewise, not to that degree, but it looks like persecution is getting worse. Talking about people in Afghanistan, now that there is no Western presence there and it's a death sentence to follow Jesus. Who we, we have recordings of militants to coming into churches with automatic weapons and just cleaning out everybody in there. We need to be mindful that those stories, those people, are those people who are standing around the throne of God, praising him right now. Amen? And even though this world sees Christians as chumps and just people most pitied, we understand that God has glorified himself and he glorifies and raises us up to be with him and we can go through tribulation now, can't we? Okay. If you have a hard time saying amen to that, just keep, take that home with you, mull it over, keep reading your Bible. You're going to see God is going to call you to suffer. He leads you through the valley of the shadow of death, right? We talked about that in Psalm 23. He doesn't lead us around the valley of the shadow of death. He leads us through the valley of the shadow of death. But his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Take his yoke upon you, and he will see you through to the end. Today's gospel reading is from the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verses 22 through 30. You can find it on page 1505 of your pew Bibles. And it was at Jerusalem, the Feast of the Dedication, and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then came the Jews round about him and said unto him, how long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you and you believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But ye believe not because ye are not my sheep, as I said unto you. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Now, just a couple things to close on. It's just now noon, and I don't have a lot more to add to what we've already done, but I do want to kind of quiz you on this reading here. What did Jesus say testifies about who he is? The works, very good. He said, I told you and you believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness about me. Now, here's, I'm going to try and say it in a not weird way, but nowadays Jesus is no longer bodily with us, right? Is it still a time where works can be done in the Father's name that testify that Jesus is Lord? Absolutely. That's the best answer all day. Yes. Absolutely, yes, we live in a time. Now, who is Jesus isn't here bodily to do those works. So who is supposed to be doing those works? We are. Okay, very good. We're supposed to be doing those works. Now, those works can be, should be, feeding the hungry, caring for the widow and orphan. Very easy biblical principles. But we need to claim once again, Wesleyanism, the Methodist revival, used to be a supernaturally oriented movement. We need to pray for supernatural things. 
just a simple thing. Have you ever sat with someone who's sick? A Methodist should be someone, and a Methodist is just a Christian. Okay, we're not a special kind of Christian. We're just, a, we're just Christians. A Christian should be a person who sits with a person who's sick and lays hands on them and prays over them, prays for their healing, and fully expects it. Jesus says as much several times. There is no reason why we need to be not believing in our prayers that God can or will heal. Now, there are some people we do pray on and pray over that don't get healed. That's the Father's will. That's how it's always been. But there are people that God will heal, like Tabitha, and it's for us to say those prayers, as Peter said those prayers. We need to be praying boldly. Okay. Now, Jesus said those works testified about who he is and his lordship. How come some people didn't understand, didn't see him as Lord, didn't receive him as Lord? What, what was the deal? What did Jesus say? Why did they not believe? I told you and you believed not because you're not my sheep. You're not my sheep. So what's the difference between people who are Jesus' sheep and people who are not Jesus' sheep? The very first thing is Jesus' sheep know that he is Lord. So what does Lord mean, by the way? Boss, okay. And we had another thing here. They came and they said, if thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. What does Christ mean? Was that his last name? It was not his last name. What does Christ mean? Savior. Jesus means Savior. Yeshua, Savior means... Uh, Holy One is close, but not quite there. Christ means Messiah, Anointed One. Did you get that? Uh, we need more Baptists with us, folks. <laughs> Anointed one. Anointed one means designated one. They would literally anoint special people by pouring oil on their head. They, there, was, there were several prophecies anticipating a final anointed one who would bring about God's kingdom on earth. They're saying, are you that guy? And then he, he is Lord. He says, when you receive me as Lord, you're... But then he talks about others. My sheep hear my voice. In ancient Hebrew and Aramaic, they didn't have a word for obey. Rather, if you read your Old Testament... When someone obeys the Lord, it says they listen to God's voice. So when he says, my sheep hear my voice, he's saying, my sheep do what I say. So when you have a boss, a Lord, you do what your boss says, right? If you're a good employee. If you're a good sheep, you do what your shepherd says. You know their voice. You listen to his voice. You do what he says. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Jesus said, if you wish to be my disciple, then you will take up your cross daily, deny yourself, and follow me. Jesus is very clear here. If you want to be part of his flock, you receive him as Lord, you do what he says, you follow in his footsteps. And I give to them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Let's go back to these blessings in Revelation. He shall lead them unto living fountains of waters, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. So who can ruin this plan? Who can take us out of God's grasp? No one. Can anyone steal God's sheep? No. No. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The hired hand runs away when the wolves come, but I lay my life down for my sheep. And then he talks about his father here. He says, my father will never lose a single one. And he says, I and the father are one. So life is really quite simple. Are you following Jesus or not? Is he your Lord or not? Are you a part of his flock or not? How's it, how well is it going to work out for people who are not part of Jesus' flock? It's not going to work out well. And I know we live in a world who doesn't like to hear that. We need to be constantly reminding ourselves and others, unless you are with Jesus, your future is terrible. 
It's a bad future. But when you're with Jesus, it looks like this. It looks like you listen to his voice. How do you listen to his voice? There are three main things that I usually focus on. Prayer, scripture, fasting. And actually, this community is fasted. I, I started preaching on this almost seven years ago, and it was like I was speaking Martian to you guys. So many people have started fasting now, and it's really been beneficial, hasn't it? So prayer, scripture, fasting. Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, you will listen to my commandments. You will obey my commandments. It's really that simple. If Christ is your Lord, if you believe that he poured himself out for you on the cross, if you believe his blood is enough to atone for all your sins, if you believe that he loves you more than your father or mother ever has or could, if you believe that you want to return that love for him, then your life is to be marked with joyful obedience. I was just about to make you say, bad, but I'm not going to do it. But I'm going to end with a children's song. I'm going to end with a children's song. I sing this with, uh, when I used to have a kid's ministry. I sing this. And I just want it to get stuck in your little, little heads. It sounds like this. I just want to be a sheep, bad, 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 bad. I just want to be a sheep, bad, 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 bad. And I pray the Lord my soul to keep. I just want to be a sheep, bad, 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 bad. Some things in life are complicated. Some things are gray and require a lot of work. But this doesn't. Faith is about obedience. It's about joyful service. It's about love. So I want us to meditate on the pure love of a mother, and I want that love to direct us towards God. Thanks be to God.